welcome to Alive and Kicking This Week in the 90s, brought to you by the original 90s football podcast. On today's show, we're going to be splitting eras new and old as we say goodbye to Vinnie Jones, but hello to Terry Venables, England. Plus, there's a rerun of Yes, Here We Go Again, another seven-goal thriller between Liverpool and Newcastle at Anfield. This is This Week in the 90s. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. And joining me on the line, I couldn't do this without these two. They have become my Frank Reichard and my Rud Hullet to my Marco Van Basten. The trio that is here every Monday, whether it's night or day. This is an even record, so let's see what everyone's drinking as well. So firstly, um, he is a social media mogul, um, especially for TV's The Voice at the moment. He's a Borough fan, he's a Janino fan. Mr. Joel Young, hello, good evening. I'm all right, and, and, and just as you mentioned... Um... Dutch football players. I'm drinking a Heineken. Oh, very, very apt. And you're a very happy man because you've just won some money on Manchester United, haven't you? Yeah, I decided it too all to put a load of money on, uh, well, £30 on uh, Manchester United to win 3-2 and there we go. You know, Quinting. God bless United. It's like the old days, as I'm sure your next guest will tell us. Yes, another happy man as well. He is a writer and journalist, uh, mainly for the sportsman, where he does a lot of on this day pieces, which helps us on this new show. Um, happy man, Mr Matthew Christ. I am happy, but I'd be happy if you tell me, am I Rijkaard or am I Rude of it? I'll let you, I'll let you battle out between you. I think you're, you're a winner either way. Who spits more? Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember I was at um, Rude Hullet's uh, English debut was for Chelsea at Middlesbrough. Oh, okay. And I was there at that game. It was the opening game at the Selnet Riverside Stadium, as was. And um, But yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be either Rijkaard or Rude Hullet. I've, I've probably got the size of hair of Rude Hullet, but nothing else. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll be Marco Van Basten because I've always had a dodgy leg. I'm nowhere near as good as him, but I've always <laughs> had a dodgy leg on a football pitch, to tell you that. You, you, you were tweeting another 90s reference earlier tonight as well, Joe. You were talking about how much you loved Anna Frail in the 90s, which made me laugh. Anna Frail, yeah, Anna Frail. And who else did I say who I was in love with in the 1990s? I can't remember who it was. Well, someone was discussing Marcello, which I haven't watched. I don't know if that's any good or anything. But... Oh, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... I don't quite know, but yeah, definitely Anna Freel, yeah, totally. Oh yeah, in the nineties, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm not done much about now. Anyway, we've got we've got some subjects to talk about tonight. Um, the first one, um, this is this week in the nineties. So we're looking. It's everything's quite late on in this week. We um, we did struggle for a little while to find three subjects, but we found three, I think, quite juicy things to talk about. I have to take my QPR hat off for the minute for this first one. So we're talking seven of March. 1999, Vincent Jones. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, sorry. Go on. Rebecca Egmaloglu, who was Sophie of Home and Away. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Sorry that. for interrupting you in full throttle. No, I'm trying to, I don't, Home and Away, didn't really used to watch Home and Away, I was more of a Neighbours oh, man. You're not good, are you? Yeah, Danny Stark in Neighbours. Yeah, she was. Yeah, oh, she yeah, yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. She was, she was fit, as the kids used to say. <laughs> Sorry, I've totally interrupted you. It's, it's okay. It's this Heineken. It's this one Heineken. Yeah, Matthew, what are you drinking? You got the pear cider I'm, out again. I'm, I haven't. No, I feel like I should have. Done. I feel yeah. left out. I haven't had a, I haven't had a drink. I should have had a drink after that game earlier on, but. Um... No. Um, well, when we get this sponsored by Tesco Pear Cider, then that's, I'll have that's the aim. Great, 
I'll have crates of it all over the house well, that I'll be able to dip into every time we record exactly. well, an I, episode. I'm talking some brand-owned chocolate biscuits next to me, which my wife bought. I wasn't happy with brand-owned chocolate biscuits, but actually they're not bad. So give Aldi's their due. They're, they're not a bad rip-off. They, anyway. they do a very good pear cider as well, don't oh, they? Oh, there we go. It's all about the pear cider. Why don't we just do a bloody pear cider podcast? <laughs> it's becoming. That and Enrico Chiesa, or whatever his name is, that is the two <laughs> oh, cornerstones, cornerstones of this week in the 90s. Anyway, as I was saying before I was interrupted with those 90s references, Vinnie Jones, that, you know, that man, that man who's now an actor in some glorious films. Well, they're not. They're very bad films, but even so. He announced his retirement on 7th of March, 1999. Of course, um, mainly known from Wimbledon, but in the 90s, he also played for Leeds, Sheffield United, Chelsea, and ended his career at QPR, which we're not happy about. But again, I'm not going to go into that just yet. Also, nine caps for Wales. Vinnie Jones, gents. Um... Obviously, retirement we can talk about, but that, I thought we'd just pick out a few moments from his illustrious career in the 90s. Um, Matthew, you tweeted out um, one of the worst tackles I think I've ever seen on a football pitch. Let's start there. That was, a, um, was it an FA Cup tie, if I remember rightly, in the New yeah, Year's Halves? A yeah, F- FA Cup tie uh, against Wimbledon at Selhurst Park in um, 94, I think it was. Uh, great game, 3-0 three, three United. But yeah, uh, Cantona's sort of trying to cruise past Vinnie Jones, which wasn't very difficult back then. And uh, Jones just decides to sort of go in knee-high, two feet, and uh, just size Cantona down. <laughs> and, uh, but cr- credit to Cantona. He just he does a couple of roles, gets up, and, and just struts off. I mean, they always talk of foreign players coming into England and rolling around and diving and bringing all that kind of thing into the game. It, Cantona's reaction was absolute pure class, I think. So, uh but yeah, if, if you ever get the chance to see that tackle, that that sums up Vinnie Jones for a lot of people. I mean, to this day, I still don't know whether I really like Vinnie Jones or I really dislike him. He's one of those people that you you think, oh yeah, fair enough. He's 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 almost like the, the fans' man on the pitch and a bit of a, a rebel rouser and all that. But then when you listen to ex pros talk about the way he played and the way he was in the tunnel and, and in the changing rooms, he did seem a bit of a thug and a bit of a bully. So. I'm a bit split with him, to be honest. Um, he obviously had something to offer because he he did he had a career in the game and he did play for Chelsea and Leeds and and a, and a few half decent sides. So clubs must have uh, felt he had something to offer. But he was one of those players. I think I suppose if you had him on your team, you probably liked him. Otherwise, you probably hated him. But then again, you had him on your team, and I think you hated him. Didn't well, you? okay, let's get this out of the way then. Okay, he came to keep yard at the very, very end of his career. We. He had him. We had him and Neil Ruddock. That was the big thing at the time when we were terrible, about to go down um, to the what then would be in the third tier um, until Jamie Pollock scored the greatest goal of all time. Um, then the following season, he became player coach. Um, then got the ump because he didn't get the manager's job when Ray Harford left and Jerry Francis got instead. Uh, left the club in a big old huff, and then we were still paying him basically for I don't I can't remember how long it was for, but we were still paying his wages despite the fact he'd sort of left the club in a big cloud because he didn't get the manager's job. So he's not very welcome at Loftus Road. Uh, he didn't play many games for us. He, he did a job in that. He scored in his debut, if I remember rightly, against Huddersfield. But yeah, he's not somewhat fondly remembered at Loftus Road at the end of his career. And then Lockstock came out, I think, 98, and then Hollywood took off, didn't it? But yeah, that's kind of... So I have the stigma attached to Vinnie Jones. But Joel, how about you? I mean, he's... You say dying breed in football. He's probably a dead breed in football that we won't see in this modern era. Um, but what, what are your what's your take on Vinnie and where where do you stand on him and his highlights? Well, I mean, what we haven't mentioned so far is that he won the league 
Yeah. Uh, for Leeds United, I think, 92, yeah. the final mm. season of uh, Division 1. Um, no, no, I don't think he was in that squad. He'd left by that point. He won the... Oh, he'd by the... Yeah, he'd won, he won the old first division. Well, no, well, that was it. The sorry. second tier when they went up. Um, but he'd, yeah, he'd left and gone to Sheffield United before they'd won the league, I think. All right, sorry. That's me getting it all wrong. Um, uh, to be honest, boys, I've got nothing good to say about him. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was watching the Gascoigne documentary again last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it, it's kind of like he built his career on on the sake of grabbing Paul Gascoigne's testicles in one game. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan. You know, I I, I thought he was quite good fun in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, but beyond that, um, it didn't do for me. But at the same time, we do kind of miss those sort of tough players. Mm. So there's a, you know, there's a juggling act to do there, whichever side you want to pick. He um, took it to a different level, though, didn't he? I mean, you've got your tough tackling players like uh, you know, Norman Whiteside and uh, Brian Robson and those kind of tough, hard players. But they were also good. They had something to offer. I really yeah. don't know. Apart from being a thug and a bit of a ruffian, I don't really know what else Vinnie Jones had to offer. I mean, he might, if he was here now, he might say he didn't. And that was his job and that's what he was paid to do. And, and fair play, that's what he that's what he did, but he didn't really. I can't really. I mean, he wasn't really. Matthew, really have... what do you think? What do you think um, Arsenal would do with a player like Vinnie Jones right now? Do you think they right. need somebody like him? Well, they need well, a lot. It... They need a lot right now. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's maybe one thing they're sort of at the moment they're sort of. Uh, looking at being lacking is a sort of load of backbone oh, and a load of... Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I love nothing more than a, a hard man in football in the 70s and 80s and 90s. I think I think there was a real role for that. And I think a good hard man is is probably underestimated. I think people sort of laugh off the hard man. I think they were just a, yeah. thugs. But they weren't. I mean, they, they knew how to tackle. They could tackle well. I mean, people like Soonis. I mean, Soonis was a hard man, but he was a brilliant footballer. Um, but I just I don't think you could put Joe's anywhere near someone like Soonis, because I don't think he had the ability that someone like Soonis had. Matthew and Ash, yeah. I'll put this to you both. Um, what is the difference between a Vinnie Jones and a Paul Ince for you? I think Paul Ince well, was a better footballer. I think he had, yeah. I, oh, yeah, he was. I think he had a better brain on him. I think Vinnie Jones became a parody of himself. But, but toward the end, he lived up to that reputation. What If you think of that stupid booking after like three seconds, is it? I think that's the record yeah. on Dane Whitehouse um, in, early in the decade. The stupid soccer men hard men video he did I think he played up to this role and I think he was a slightly better footballer than everyone remembers there was a goal he scored for Wimbledon against Arsenal in a live game I remember I mean late mid 90s and it showed that he had a bit of talent about him whereas I think Paul Lintz I really liked Paul Lintz in the 90s and and that goes for a lot of you know I was trying to be hating Man United as the trend was hey signed for Middlesbrough exactly and I think he could play a bit who didn't (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shut up, you. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's. A, I think he could play a bit, and I, I know he had the whole governor thing, but I think he knew that was a kind of tongue-in-cheek joke. Whereas I think Vinnie Jones believed the hype um, that he was, you know, the you know the hard man, and he didn't have much more in the end. I don't know what Matthew would bring to that. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think say it sort of uh, glossed over sometimes at how good some footballers were, even though they were so-called hard men. And I don't think Ferguson would have tolerated it. I don't think he really liked into that much anyway, but I don't think he would have tolerated him if he was just a thug without being a good yeah. fo- footballer. And I think that's the case with Jones. I think like, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Jones was solely a thug and a bully on the pitch. And 
maybe that's what he was told to do. And if he did, and he did a good job, then fair enough. But yeah, I don't think you can put him in the bracket of someone like Jimmy Case or one of those sort of proper midfield hard men that were also decent footballers. Because mm. obviously, Joe Vinnie Jones is a better footballer than I'll ever be. But I, you know, I don't think you can put him in the, the same bracket as as any of the players we've mentioned. To be honest, gentlemen, what is Ilon X? X. Oh, what the Wimbledon used to be sponsored by? Wasn't it uh, something to do with radio? Is that right? No. LNX. I don't know. L on X. Yeah. What does it mean? What is it? Um, British computer hardware and related related IT. Company that developed the Z-Box. I don't think it was Z-Box then. Something. Yeah, I knew it was something to do with computers. If you work for LNX, can you please give us a ring and we'll get it? Yeah. Because they were then sponsored by Tiny, weren't they? Which was a computer Tiny computers, yeah. yeah. Back in the day, yeah. Um, going back to your Arsenal point, Joe, I think what they really need is Patrick Vieira. It's not, you know, yeah. that is what exactly they haven't replaced in what fifteen years. That's what they've. Never I, got um, I think, I think Vieira played against Middlesbrough in maybe his second or third game when he signed, and I remember being going straight away within five minutes. Who's this lad? And somebody went, "Oh, it's just this this French kid that they bought from AC Milan for three and a half million quid." And um, yeah, they they do miss that grit and um, everything that they did have back in the day. I mean, God, what a wonderful side they were. I've, I've walked out of big defeats uh, by Arsenal at home more than once. Well, we'll get to talk about that next week because I think Matthew might be aware it's a certain anniversary of a game next week involving Mark Overmars, which we'll talk about. Oh, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> which will be a welcome fun thing to talk about next week but I mean that's, that's just you know put bow on Vinnie Jones I mean he he was sent off 12 times in his career I mean it's ridiculous I don't, I don't think he'd get away with it in this modern age um, the amount of tackles is there what is a famous one in, in, in the 80s is that Steve McMahon is that the cup final one I'm thinking it was of? the 88, 88 yeah. cup final yeah he went in hard on McMahon didn't he after the first yeah. minute or two I think he was classically told to go out and rough up I mean, what was a brilliant Liverpool side? Obviously, Wimbledon thought, well, we can't play them at football, so we just try and rough them up, which ultimately, I suppose, they did. But then players like Steve McMahon could give it back. I mean, he's another classic example of a yeah. card man who's also a brilliant footballer. And I think, in fairness to McMahon, Jones went through him in that tackle, but I think Steve McMahon managed to land an elbow on Vinnie Jones on his way down, which <laughs> left Vinnie Jones with a shiner for the rest of the final. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd back McMahon in... Yeah, I think I bet fight his corner. Speaking of speaking of landing an elbow on somebody, I'm going to take us into the wrestling world because I do remember Vinnie Jones in about 1998. Capital Carnage. WWE was it Insurrection? Was it Ash or Capital Carnage? Capital Carnage. Yeah, Capital Carnage and Vinnie Jones. It's so weird. Vinnie Jones was just booked because the WWE thought he would be a draw as just the hard man to turn up. But then when they actually, in between him being, uh, I think he was a referee, wasn't he, Ash, in this match? I, I remember the big boss man being involved. Uh, with Stone Cold, I believe, because he, he, he shows Stone Cold the red card, if I remember rightly. Is that where it happened? Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, so what happened, Ash? Come on, pick this up. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember the finer details at the top of my head, but I know that he showed Stone Cold the red card for doing something in that match. and then he gets, What I remember is when they stunned. actually sold that, video slash DVD later on in 1999, Vinnie Jones was plastered all over the cover 
as opposed to anybody else because Vince just loves cash. Yeah, it was a it's cringy. It's one of those that's get a soccer player and get a red card out and yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's very, very terrible. It was a it was a Britain only pay per view, wasn't it? Which are always a nightmare. Yeah, they were pointless, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't. He was an enforcer, I think. Just reading Gerald Briscoe. That's it, yeah, an enforcer. Yes, because Gerald Briscoe was the special guest referee. But that's uh, yeah, that's real wrestling people. And, and Matthew's obviously gone silent on this. No, no. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of the Attitude Era, to be honest. Oh, hello. Yeah, oh, <laughs> um, Hold on, we can't. We'll 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 go down right the rabbit hole yeah. here. So I've actually been I've actually been to Raw in uh, Chicago. Oh, oh here we go. Well, he's been to WrestleMania, and you've been there. No. <laughs> I've been to WrestleMania. I've been to SummerSlam. Not quite WrestleMania. That's that's for to come. But yeah, all right. That, that's we're digressing. But yeah, that's Vinnie Jones for you. I don't think there's anything more to say. Nine, twelve. Uh, so I said nine caps for Wales, which is always a random, you know, for his grandfather or something. And I don't think he ever won a game in a Wales shirt. And yeah, it was a very bizarre. I think. Um, Satan and Graves, he joked that uh, if he can play for Wales, then I can even at this age or something that way. Jimmy Graves, I couldn't think of his name then. Jimmy Graves, yeah. So, but yeah, Finney Jones retired 7th of March 1999. And as a QPR fan, yeah, yeah, go make films like Lockstock and whatever else you've made over the are years. They, are they still paying his wages? Probably, yeah, because, you know, his, his, his films since then, they've sort of dwindled, haven't they? His role in Eurotrip, I seem to remember, is terrible as a Man United fan with a London accent, which is, uh, you know, yeah, we've got one on here, but yeah. It happens. <laughs> it happens, yeah. We've got a few going around, but yeah, it's, his is particularly bad. It's a, it's a proper Cockney accent in that film. And he also appears in, oh, there's a, what's that stupid uh, spin-off of Sherlock on Elementary? And he's a terrible character in that as well. Um, but that's for, for later years. So Vinnie Jones is. That's just get off Vinnie Jones and talk about England. Ninth um, of March, nineteen ninety four. England ushering a brand new era. Gone is Graham Taylor. Hello, Terry Venables. Before we talk about the first game, which is is the anniversary of um, coming to you, Joel. First, how happy were you, Terry Venables, Graham Taylor? Do you remember the kind of up, you know the hurrah that we had with Venables coming in? Everyone's favourite Cockney. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, quite a lot, you know. Um, Venables was probably the first England manager that the English people chose. I think, like a lot of the time, you know, it was always they chose it, and the popular choice was ignored. Uh, Brian Clough, etc. Um, and this is the one we want, but we always knew as well that Brian Clough, that, that Terry Venables was going to be a very, very dodgy choice politically. <laughs> I think even. I think everybody knew that as well. So, um, but it, I went back and watched this game today yeah, as, so I, tweeted, I. Yeah. as I was commuting <laughs> on your way home. Watching this on my way home, yeah. Um, it was a, it was a tricky time, wasn't it? I mean, at least a sort of eighteen months under Terry Reynolds, it was very tricky. But um, also, just. Splendid! Like even now, even now, just thinking about him, I just got a little tingle at my back and thinking about it. And I've also found something we need to watch for the future. It's called Venables on Venables, Ooh, which like is that. on YouTube, and it's from 1981. So we're going to get away with that. Anyway, Matthew, I'll think of you. Yeah, that's another watch along. Yeah, I mean, as as Joe was saying, Matthew, he was Venables like everyone's favourite uncle, wasn't he? Is even if an Arsenal fan because he was obviously a Tottenham boy. People seem to just gravitate towards Venables. He was the right choice at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't. I, I like you watched the, watched that game probably a few days before Joel did because I was putting the hours in over the weekend. Were, all right, yeah. 
dedication. Uh, but but it's interesting when you watch that game when he, when the teams walk out and it cuts to the crowd. There's a few people with like homemade almost WWF signs saying we love El Tel and and you think that's really unusual now for a a new man, England manager to come in with that much support before he's actually done anything. I mean now there's almost a sort of air of pessimism isn't there oh yeah he's going to come in and do nothing but it was almost like he was the people's champion to use a a wrestling reference (laughs) or before he before he actually (laughs) before he'd actually done anything I mean I I can't really remember I know obviously the nation was on a bit of a downer after what happened with uh, the Graham Taylor era but it just seemed incredible that everyone was so united behind this man before he'd actually done anything obviously in the years that followed he did do something He, he he took an England team to as close as uh, anyone to winning the tournament, but we didn't know that at the time. But there was still this air of optimism that I've never really experienced before. I mean, I'm not a huge England fan myself, but there was almost a, a sort of everyone was whipped up into a frenzy, almost, weren't they, by just by his his appointment? Um, I think I think I think what happened was um, it was the first time that we we had appointed the England manager because he was clearly the best and even though he was dodging and I think we talked about this a couple of times um, throughout the podcast history is the fact that you know Terry Venables he was obviously the best man for the job and he was awesome at what he did but like in terms of um, in terms of dealing with everything and being commercially sound like Gareth Southgate is right now Terry Venables wasn't that man just for the record, it's you keep mentioning that he's dodgy. I, I don't, none of we haven't accused him of doing anything. <laughs> allegedly, all at all. allegedly, yeah. allegedly. Yeah, yeah. We, allegedly. we use a lot of allegedly words when it comes to Terry Venables. Um, let's talk about his, the first game. Then it was a friendly against Denmark that we've all watched, the seven hundred and third England game that I, I found out today, which is quite a random, interesting fact. If you like those sort of statty things, um, obviously, like you said, mentioned Joe, he was on a hard one for eight this month because basically he, he there was there was friendlies, wasn't there? Because we were in the run up to Euro ninety six, there was no competitive game, so it was it was always going to be hard to judge him but I mean the first squad he picked a lot of the same names from obviously the the 94 failed campaign but there was a recall for Peter Beardsley after three years I hadn't realised it had been that long so that was his 50th cap as well which he wasn't expecting yeah that was a very popular decision as well wasn't it because Beardsley was never I think Taylor assumed that he'd sort of run his course and he was a finished player but as we know now he most definitely I mean, wasn't. Really clearly wasn't as well. I mean, he was setting up all those goals for Andy Cole yeah. all the time, and it was just it was it was a really weak decision in the first place to get rid of him. I mean, for all his for all his troubles after the fact, you know, what a wonderful player for England. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, a he's a brilliant one. player. Brilliant player. Full stop, wasn't he? I mean, in that that Liverpool team that we mentioned earlier, the late eighties Liverpool team. I mean, he was one of the great. It was almost like Messi, like wasn't he? When he when he ran with the ball, he was just incredible and. And I, I, I think amazing... if he'd have been around now, then he probably would be absolutely in that bracket if he'd have been put in the right team, you know, at the right time. But, you know, he went from um, Newcastle to Liverpool to Everton and then back to Newcastle. Is that right? Yeah. He yeah. Could, but, he's, yeah. but he was still decent in that 95, yeah. 6 
Yeah, he dipped to Everton a bit, didn't he? But when he came back to Newcastle, like Joel says, you know, him and Andy Cole. But you think about it, you go back to him and Gary Lineker in 1990, he was kind of the number 10 we see now. He was quite ahead of his time. Like, he, they weren't a proper front two as the 4-4-2 used to go of that era. He was a proper number 10 before number 10 was, was fashionable as it is in yeah. this day and age. Mm-hmm. I mean, me and Liam Hape on the last full episode when we talked about Renford Rejects, we also talked about Dennis Bergkamp. He was the kind of same ilk. He was a number 10 before the, these number 10s became fashionable where he wasn't quite an out-and-out striker he wasn't quite an attacking midfielder he sat in that hole and Beardsley was the same he was a, a majestic a little footballer and for some whatever reason Graham Taylor decided it wasn't for him and re- just left him out of the cold for literally his whole reign which I, is surprising because of the way he was playing but each to their own England managers there was also a, a first call-up for Darren Anderton and Graham Lasso who became the first Channel Islander to make an England appearance that night. Um, the Darren Anderton one, I don't know if you guys remember this, is one of those weird things that just sticks in my mind and there's no reason why. He got called up and I remember watching, I was in my mum, in the living room, so mum and dad were probably watching it, London Tonight or whatever the equivalent was at that time. And they interviewed him like, well done, you've got your first England call up. And he was at the bedside of his brother or his dad or somebody who had been in hospital had a really minor operation and I don't know why that's always stuck in my head I've tried to find it on YouTube it just doesn't exist and I'm sure it actually happened so if anyone's listening remembers that just you know make sure I'm not mad but that's how they interviewed him it's just a, such a bizarre bit of 90s television but he made his debut as a, a young Spurs though who just signed from Portsmouth you, you said you both watched the game I mean nothing much changes in terms of England it wasn't the most eventful game was it I mean what did you what do you guys come into your first Matthew think of the actual game typical friendly really from England yeah, it, it, I mean, maybe Rose tinted spectacles again, but I thought it, was, it looked better than the sort of friendlies that we're used to now. It just, I think, just the nature of that that England team. I mean, you said we had uh, Anderson in there. Gary Pallister was making a rare yeah. appearance for one reason or another. <laughs> I don't know whether Gary that Pallister. No, not at all. I just not the bloody never... Borough player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, we both bought him from. And yeah, him he's to... a proper Borough boy. But, um, yeah, it, it just seemed. I thought it was a, a decent game. I mean, and Denmark were a decent t- side, weren't they? They had the uh, Loud brothers playing. They had, uh, obviously, Schmeichel and John Jensen, who in the commentary, uh, I think it's Ian Dark in the commentary, says, oh, he, he obviously hasn't, hasn't had his shooting boots on since he moved to England. And I thought, well, you can say that again. It's a really... There's a bit where Shearer goes and scraps with... Yeah, with Schmeichel at the beginning, yeah. There's a bit where... Gascoigne goes in, and they're all huggy, kissy, nicey. And I, I, I really noticed that today watching the highlights. Those two are chewing on against each other, possibly because they always knew they were going to be rivals. Whereas the bit where Gascoigne goes in, I think he gets called offside, but he comes spinning in, and and um, Schmeichel takes him out. But then they get up, and they're all huggy. And I, I found that the most interesting part of the game. Yeah, yeah, that spat at the beginning. I- I love Schmeichel, don't get me wrong, but I get the feeling he, he probably made a few enemies over in his oh God, time. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. We spoke the other week about Ian Wright, the situation with Ian Wright, and I get the feeling he probably, you know, well, he did have a mouth on him, I mean, we all know that, but he, <laughs> he just just the way he reacted, because Shearer went through, didn't he? I think he was blown yeah. for offside, and then he, he whacked the ball in the net anyway, which he had every right to do. And, uh, yeah, and Schmeichel really took it badly, didn't he? And uh, Shearer was obviously giving it back. He couldn't hear what I, they were I saying. I found it really interesting, the contrast between his his uh, interaction with uh, Shearer and his interaction mm. with Gascoigne. It's like, yeah, I, maybe, I, that was the one thing that stood out for me, watching the highlights of this. Maybe he was up, 
upset that Shearer never signed for United a yeah. couple of years uh, before. You know yeah. what? That is what popped into my head. I thought, is he trying to like wind him up for the next? That is genuinely Matthew. What popped into my head? Well, is it, he upset about that? It, well, he would have yeah. got upset again a couple of years later when he turned him down for a second time, wouldn't he? So, um, the team that night, let's have a quick look at the team, was uh, Seaman in goal, Paul Parker still knocking around at that point. Um, wouldn't realise he was... That was I'll tell you what, Ash, that was one that jumped out for me, yeah. Paul Parker. Because if you, look at, if you look at the rest of the team, it's just about the Euro 96 yeah. team. Yeah. Really, apart from Paul Parker, who I think he brought the Nevilles in. Uh, yeah. I think Gary Neville played left-back, didn't he, in... Uh, you're an 86. In right back, yeah, he did, yeah. Sorry, right back, yeah. yeah. Um, Rob Jones and that is in the squad that as well. really jumped out at me was yeah. Paul Parker. Pretty much, like, that is the team he played in Euro 96. Yeah. Apart Paul. from da- David David Platt wouldn't have been there, would he? He was, a, he was in the squad at Euro 96. He was in the squad, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he wore yeah. the number seven shirt, but didn't actually play. I always remember that. Oh, he's got the seven yeah. shirt, but squad numbers don't mean diddly squat. He I played. just want to say about David Platt as well, watching him in this game, you know, we, we never really got to see how good he was in this yeah. country because he was always off in... He was off in Italy, and you know, God bless him. That's where everybody, all the good players, really went. I think. In, it, I think there was Des Walker, um, David Platt, and Paul Ince really in the nineties. Obviously, Gascoigne. Um, I don't really remember many other than that going over there. Um, you know, that was that was a funny one. David Platt always seemed to be um, a mighty player. But the interesting thing about that... Than he was in the domestic yeah. team, if that makes sense. Well, the, well, he scored that night, didn't he? And that was his yeah. 21st, 21st goal in 46 games at that time, which is a pretty incredible Breaking. record. For a, mid, yeah. for, for a midfielder as well, as somebody yeah. who knows... That's an, that's an astonishing record, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He was, I mean, he, it he's is. a great player for him. I think he's when they do these great you know, best 11s and best squads, I think he's over, quite overlooked. And I think maybe you're right, Joe. We didn't, as a domestic player, we never we were robbed of the best of him because we didn't see it week in, week out. At the, at the time here, he was at Sampdoria, he was at Juventus and Bari. Um, even when he came back to Arsenal, he was towards the end of his career. Um, I know he scored a, a certain goal at Highbury, Matthew. You'll remember quite um, vid- vividly in, in their uh, championship winning campaign. But yeah, I think David Platt's quite overlooked. Um, he was captain as well. He was captain this night. He- I, I liked him. I thought he was almost a. Yeah, I can't, you don't really compare him to Brian Robson, but he was a, that sort of midfield player, wasn't he? That could burst forward and and score and, and create stuff and get a tackle in. I thought he was a. I thought he was a pretty good. Pretty good player, but he was almost, he was a bit of a he was looked upon almost as a bit of a sort of Ray Wilkins of his time, wasn't he? A bit sort of yeah, dull absolutely. and a bit boring. And I think just hearing that statistic in that in this game, how many goals he scored and how many in the games he played, I thought if you could get a midfielder with that kind of record now, you'd be you'd be made up. Yeah, and he was um, yeah no he's someone we should talk about a bit more at some point. What really I I looked at as well is just watching Paul Gascoigne on the ball. I know Joel, you've got the sort of tinted view of him when he was at Borough but you, I just miss that kind of gazer the, the way he used to just run through midfield and he had this kind of burly lad that just had this kind of so light on his feet and he saw sort of glimpses of it here and I just always love watching that from Gazer. My thing Ash my thing Ash with Gazer is he didn't do it for us. Yeah, oh, I know. And I completely, if I was in, you know, if you'd been at QPR at the time I'd have that kind of slightly tainted view of him as well. You you, you take what you see um, which is what But I, I, I do love him daily and you know I've told this story before about me meeting him. I've yeah. told you about this. Yeah. About me holding up the Corinthian player to his head and he went, no, that doesn't look like me. I love him and I love him as a player and I love him as a, as a thing, but he came into the wrong club at the wrong time. He yeah. came into Borough when it was a lunatic asylum and, you know, it was nuts. And, and that's why 
you know, I I saw him week after week after week, and that's why I don't live him as much as I probably would have done had he gone to another club. Mm. Little spoiler, we uh, well, not a spoiler, a preview. We do a Corinthian figures special coming soon, which we mentioned that Gaza figure as well. Um, just finishing off that team, so it was Paul Parker at right back, Graham Lasseau on his debut at left back. Um, you had Adams and Pallister in at centre backs, which is quite an interesting mix. It's decent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Ince, Platt, Gascoigne, and Anderton in midfield. Um, and then Shearer and Beardsley up front, and I think David Batty, and then Matt Letizio came on that night to make his debut. Matt Letizio's well. debut, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Somebody who didn't quite make it under uh, any England manager, really, but you thought maybe Terry Venables were the one, but again, he didn't quite make was it. That, was that his debut? That, that oh, was his debut as well, yeah. So it was his, yeah. his debut and Lasso's debut? Yeah, good good so, uh, night for the Channel Islands. So there's three of them, isn't there? Yeah. Lasso, who's the other one? I think there's three of them in there. Oh, Anderson made his debut as well. Anderson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anderson, Saw, and Letitia, yeah. But you say Letitia. Look at that. You'd have them all day long. I know. I'm just looking at the the squad. Ian Wright's in it. Leslie Ferdinand, if I got this on this, but, you know, Sir Les is in it as a striker as well. I always say that the the choice of strikers in this era is just, it's uncomparable to to now or most decades. It was ridiculous, the choice of strikers. Uh, we had that night, um, the, and we mentioned the Denmark team. There was a decent Denmark team as well. You mentioned the Laudrup brothers and Jon Jensen, whose only goal for Arsenal came in a three-one defeat to QPR at Loftus Road. Um, they also had um, future Premier League star Mark Reaper, who played for West Ham in the future, and then Jakob Kilberg of Chelsea, who's one of those '90s players that time forgot. But I quite like to wind up new Chelsea. Am I allowed fans. to do the comedy joke? You can do any comedy joke you like, About- John. I really laughed at Ben Christensen, and I know I shouldn't have done. <laughs> but yeah, the guy's name just made me laugh. Oh, no, I laughed too. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Well, I can get the blame for it then. That's yeah, that's, no, that's fine. But yeah, so that was England's first game under Terry Venables, a 1 0 win. Um, did they play Greece next? I didn't search this, yeah, but I'm pretty sure. Nil, yeah, yeah pre- or whatever it was. Yeah, and they wore that one. red kit at home, if I remember rightly, that kind of maroony looking. Umbro kit they had at the time, but they wore it at home just to to show it off at the time. If uh, if memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure about that. Um, so let's move on to our final um, subject of the night: um, the less famous four three between Liverpool and Newcastle. But it is part of the reason Liverpool and Newcastle is still, and we're coming off of the weekend where they shown it live as well. It's literally I think Sky get out the fixture computer and go Liverpool Newcastle just in case. And it's not ever lived up to the two games um, from '96 and this one on the 10th of March in 1997. Um, well, I think Matthew, we talked. I don't know if you were on this, but we did talk about uh, on the podcast about this season and this game. I don't think it's looked upon as fondly because, it, in matter of the title race, it wasn't as effective because I think Man United at that point were already quite far ahead. So this game was kind of the title race, but not as devastating as the season before. But from a Man United's point of view, how do you remember this game going? Well, like you said, I blame this game more than any other for the fact that we have to watch this fixture every <laughs> twice every season. Yeah. Because the first one, you can you can kind of understand it, but the fact that it happened again the following season, you knew that it just cemented that that contract that happens every year where both this game's on every season. And as we saw at the weekend, why? I mean, has there, has there been anyone since that's warranted that decision? But it, it, you say the tight race was over. I, from what I remember, I think this put Liverpool slightly back into the title mix. I, I seem to remember Liverpool back then. They always seemed to be there or thereabouts up until about Easter when they always used to draw at home to Coventry or something. And, uh, yeah, and that, that Wimbledon. Yeah, and that was. I mean, when I say there or thereabouts, they were never. They're never really in it. But then, when you look back, they were. They were sort of like second or third, five or six points off the top, which 
you talk to Liverpool fans now, they would take that in a, in a heartbeat. But um, I think this win, yeah, I think it did throw them straight back into some kind of title race. But it was a it was a pretty good game. Watching it back again, like I did at the weekend, it was uh, it was it wasn't far off the. The, the one 12 months before, I mean, Liverpool stormed into a three-goal lead with three goals in 12, 13 minutes at the end of the first half. Pretty ruthless attacking force that they were back then. And then, rather like today, they made a few shoddy dis- defensive mistakes towards the end of the game. David James gifted Newcastle a goal with their first Terrible goalkeeper. Shot, first shot on target it was in the game for Newcastle. And then Esprit scored, a, I don't know whether it was brilliant or lucky, but it was a, it was a great... How he got it, got it in, I don't know, because he sort of slid in, didn't he? Another... David James came rushing out as he was inclined to do back then, and uh, Espria stuck out a leg and it looped into the corner and uh, set up the, the epic the, finale uh, that it was. I went and watched it today, and you know Redknapp loses the ball, and Ginola sends over this. Oh, beautiful cross! It's a cross field ball, ball, wasn't yeah, it? Peach yeah. of a ball, and he just stretches, and it's like the most stretchy, 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 <laughs> like. How does it go in? Because thing that you you put in, you know, you are the ref sort of thing. You, yeah. you draw it like that, you know, like you couldn't have asked for perfect, you know. And what makes it even better is that Jamie Redknapp absolutely balls the up, yeah. which fills my heart with glee. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the only one though, because we go back into the first goal. It's really bad defending from a free kick, and it's David Batty who's closed down by Stephen Manaman. David which, Batty's the one that loses it. Yeah, like you, in that sort of fight. No disrespect to Stephen Manaman, he was called Shaggy for most of his career. You wouldn't expect him to lose in a battle to, with David Batty, would you? Who's uh, somebody who's gone who missed off the place of the earth at the moment. No one knows what David Batty does these days, but. It's yeah, it's an odd sort of something to happen for for them too. So like, as as Matthew said, they go into this sort of two goal, uh, three goal lead at half time, and it looks like game over. Joel, do you think this isn't remembered quite as fondly because of the way the goals went? Whereas the four three the season before, it was kind of back and forth, and it was like two boxers taking blows. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like you know, I knew that it was two in a row, but I didn't know which one we were gonna look at. Okay, <laughs> you know, it took me a while to go back and go. All right, okay, we're on about this one. Um, but I think this one is possibly a bit of a more interesting game. Yeah, I think that. Um, the fact that it is a, a 3-0, a 3-all, a 4-3 in the last minute. There is a bit, if you go and watch it, um, there's a child that is given the middle finger. <laughs> yes, um, I saw that. He's got yeah, some strange, sc- a strange an scarf on. Then an adult looks at him. It's yeah. really funny. This kid, like this kid, he's probably about ten, twelve, and he's giving a middle finger. And this adult looks at him, and then he just pulls it straight in, and then starts jumping up and cheering again as the fouler goal to get it to four three goes in. Yeah, um, it, it, it is. But yeah, you know, I've got to agree with Matthew on this one. You know, this this match is the reason that we have to see Liverpool versus uh, Newcastle United every year. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, they still, you know, if it, if it had been the other game, Joe, I would have said, you know, TM, the greatest game that ever lived, because that's, you know, what Sky still call it. I mean, it was dramatic and it had the Keegan scenes and stuff, and I suppose that's what this game is it's missing. It's not the best game I've ever seen, mate, and you know that. that well, yeah, that's true. We've talked I about still that. Think that. I still think, genuinely, you know, people talk about that, it's the Premier League and that one, but I still think that Middlesbrough 3, Chesterfield 3. Oh, that's a fantastic probably game. Probably the Probably the best game of football ever played. I, if only, and I say this every time, just to see Janino diving head and nothing. That's still one of the funniest <laughs> moments in football. Oh, it's the best thing. It ever. is the best thing. One, also funny, going back to this game, Warren Barton getting on the skull. You know, he thought he was the hero. Of all the people in that team to be the hero, he wasn't in the end. But Warren Barton was a bit of an odd one to, to come up and pop Warren in Warren Barton looks like he's uh, going to enter and win. 
uh, Jason Donovan lookalike. <laughs> Too many broken hearts in this yeah. world. Well, there was after that match. Yeah, what a tune that is. Um, but there, was, what... there was also a great assist for the fourth and winning goal. Do you know who put the cross in? Oh, no, I didn't know that down. Go on, Matthew. Stig Inga Bjornaby. Oh, there's a... Oh, well, they that off, often crops up on this show, Well, I remember, I remember Bjornaby. Um, we uh, were playing Liverpool in the first game of the season where Ravinelli got his hat-trick. I think Bjornaby got the first goal in that game, so he always sticks out in my mind. There's yeah. something Ash always has to mention in that game. Go on, Ash. In what, the, in, the, in what the game? Liverpool, the middles were three, Liverpool three, opening day of the season game. What do I have to mention in that one? You've stumped me. The the E-crew. Oh, the kit. Oh, oh, the E-crew, yeah. yes. Oh, the E-crew, yeah. E-crew, it's <laughs> my favourite. Yeah, Just it's, for anyone that might be playing the, the bingo game. Yeah, the bingo game. Yeah. Well, a crew is a colour that only existed in like two seasons of the 90s. It, it doesn't ever come out again. I'm sure they just invented it. Just, oh, let's flog this new kit. Liverpool, West Ham, Cholton. That's, and that was it. Yeah. Never, you never... got it in like the, what, the Gratton catalogue. Yeah. If you were lucky. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, Bjornaby wasn't the only Norwegian player as well. They also had Bjorn Torkavam in their team that night, which is another 90s name um, that time forgot. One that I, did, I didn't even remember. I had to Google him. He comes on for Les Ferdinand halfway through the game. Newcastle fans may remember him, but I, ha- I literally had to Google him. Jimmy Crawford. There's a name that I completely forgot that even was a footballer. Made two... uh, that, you mentioned it five seconds ago and I've already forgotten. Yeah, he made two <laughs> two appearances for, for Newcastle, one of them this game, and then that was it. So, good night for him, I suppose. You know, made, made playing at Anfield and stuff. But yeah, that's definitely a, a name that time forgot. Also, a little quirk from that season. I don't know if we mentioned this when we did the, the season-by-season series, but Newcastle, because obviously May United won the league, um, they were head and shoulders above the rest in the end that t- in that time as Cantona scored the goals in James Power which we talked about last week but Newcastle, Arsenal and Liverpool all finished on the same points that season didn't realise that until I looked again 68 points a little fact for you fact fans um, anything else from that game you, that you pointed out guys? no I don't think so it was, it was a Monday night I watched it it was a Monday night game wasn't it? it was yeah yeah, yeah. a classic yeah, that game. was a get. That was again, like we said the other week, that's when the Monday night game, they really picked it up, didn't they? And they always had that. Well, that was always a Monday well, night well, tonight, game. You know, tonight's was a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight, yeah. yeah. We're, we're dating it, but yeah, well, hopefully this will be out tomorrow anyway. So with this weekly one, we can date it. It's fine. Um, there isn't much more that happened this week in the 90s. Um, going back but I mean there was a couple of tweets I saw today I don't know if you saw this uh, friend of the show Sid Lambert Joe he'd, he'd sent out a tweet literally as I was tweeting the same thing and I stopped myself because I didn't want to seem like we were trying to copy each other but um, a famous Middlesbrough result uh, against Derby do you remember that one? Is this the 6-1? Yeah, this is the 6-1 yeah the FA Cup game oh, yeah Ravnally was... got a hat-trick I think... oh, did Ravnally get four? I think he got a hat-trick I think Mikkel Beck scored one of the goals I don't know who Nothing scored wrong with Mikkel Beck no. we should get Mikkel Beck on actually he um, follows the show he follows the show I had, I had DM he did answer me on Twitter and I DM'd him but I'm waiting for his reply so hopefully well let's get Mikkel Beck on because we can talk about that season uh, yeah uh, we won 6-1 at Derby and I think we, we'd beaten them by some degree like something like 4-0 in the league as well so um, that was on our on, on our way to the uh, FA Cup final such as it was were they your whipping boys of that era were they Derby County Derby yeah we beat them quite a lot yeah I mean it, uh, the Middlesbrough team of that generation we talked about this lords but um, the Borough team of that time were either spank or be spanked 
<laughs> I mean, that was what we did, you know. Was that on the press? I think I've got that. I think I've got that DVD. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it. <laughs> oh, it's late. It's a late night recording. We've gone down some weird rabbit hole I'm now. De- I'm definitely in it, but I look good. Um, oh, a leather hide. Uh, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that six one. Yeah, that was mad. Um, you yeah, know, it was it was such a strange season that year, and the the season. Sorry, the game that damaged us more than ever, um, which we're going to stay in the East Midlands, is the fact that we played uh, Leicester City away, and we won. Uh, we won one three at their place to use the American uh, terminology, and um, that was what ruined our season. That game that. That Leicester game, but yeah, that um, who else scored in that game? Ash, you must have that in front of you. Uh, I'm, I'm watching it now, actually. But it's still Ravinelli taking his shirt off, so I'll get to you. But yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, I can Google it, but yeah, I haven't got it offhand. But Mikkel, I think Mikkel Beck got two actually. I think that's his. Mikkel Beck got two. Ravinelli yeah. got three. I'm not sure he's got the other one. Got one, maybe. He, I'm watching Gino run through the midfield at the moment. Oh, what a player! What a player! Um, and just a final quick word. This happened over the weekend, and there was another great tweet from Sid. I actually did steal this one because I'm, it was, it's such a staple hold of the nineties. Why do you steal things off Sid? No, I always credit him. I don't steal. I always say friend of the show. I don't. I don't steal. I credit. Um, he's very good. I'm going to ring him. <laughs> well, he knows. I've told him. <laughs> And we'll have this argument when he's back on the show. But he, uh, tw- I don't know if you guys saw this. He saw the the great Gary Crosby goal. Um, oh yes, from uh, Nottingham Forest v Manchester City, where Andy Dibble holds the ball out and then he heads it out of his hand and it's allowed. But I mean, it, it's farcical in all its greatness. But it always stands out for me because I'm. It's on the first ever Danny Baker own goals and gas video, and I just remember as a kid thinking it was the funniest thing to see this mitre ball being headed out of the hand um, by Gary Crosby. Um, did, what did it? Uh, it obviously rang a bell with you. Joe as well it was a goal yeah no he was holding the ball in one hand (laughs) by the letter of the law he didn't have total control of it it was a goal he nudged it out you're in agreement with Greavesy then are you (laughs) I just think it was a goal you know he should have been so dumb you know absolutely absolutely a goal and you know, it, I, no, it's a goal. I've got nothing more to say. It's a goal. Yeah, if you're no. so stupid to stand there being dead cocky with a ball in one hand, then it's a goal. Come on, then, Matthew, argue it with me. Well, I just thought the law, the, the law is, it doesn't the goalkeeper have, once the goalkeeper's got it, it doesn't have to literally be in his hands. Both hands. It's in two hands, I'm sure the law of the game. No, I'm not sure what it was back I'm not sure what it was back then, but I thought you just, as long as the goalkeeper had it in his possession, then it was in. I might be wrong, but then what was great about that clip was it did have the the, the sort of uh, post-mortem afterwards, didn't it, with Elton Wellsby wearing a a pair of Deirdre Barlow spectacles (laughs) and uh, and Greasy up in a... And and an an early Gary Lineker appearance as well, as as a pundit as well, and a great... I was trying to work out what... We'll have to look at... I'll have to look and see when that. There's a great website with it that lists every game that the match, the ITV, the match oh, ever okay. showed, and I'd have to find out what game that was because it must have been the week, that, the Sunday after that game. But well, if if it has to be both hands, then I suppose yeah, the goal stands. I thought that there was some technicality that as long as the keeper had some kind of possession of the ball, then you could. You know do that, that because the BBC put so much money into Gary Lineker being media trained. 
Well, he was terrible. Do you remember he used I, to be on I still don't Five Live? Yeah, Sports Night. I, I still don't think he's... I think he's overrated as a broadcaster even now. So. Oh, I think he's good. I think he's all right, man. I think That's he's good. good. I, think he's found his, I think he's found his, his, his level. But, but I remember he had a radio phone-in show on a on Five Live or Radio Two or whatever it, whatever it was back six in the nineties. Well, it was it, it was a sort of midweek phone-in show, and it was dreadful. He was so oh, he's so sort of weak and whimsical. He, he was just really just didn't have anything. I mean, now he's quite assured, isn't he? And, and quite. I think he's learned how to do it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah long enough now, isn't if he? If he'd have been Gary Lineker, the block who's dad was a fruit and veg salesman then he wasn't going to get that job yeah. and in yeah, fairness it's not an easy it's not an easy job is it it's not you can't just say oh, go, no go no i'm not i agree and uh elton wellsby's not doing anymore which is an absolute tragedy because he's a great, i love i, I love, love elton wellsby friend of the show I, I, yeah, who else uh, who else do you miss from the 1990s ash who isn't around anymore barry davis yeah tony garber who's literally not around anymore bless his son. well yeah he isn't around yeah anymore. From, te- from that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just an era thing. I think people would grow up and say, I mean, Brian Moore as well is another one I'm very early on in the decade, talking of, you know, of, of broadcasting. And, and but I think it's what era you grow up and what, what commentators you're used to. But Somebody on the, still, still on the radio, but not on television, I don't think. Um, David Pleat, I always liked as a, oh, okay. as a co-commentator. As a colour commentator, yeah. Yeah, they, they had very, I liked it back in the old days when you, back in the old days. <laughs> but... <laughs> Back then, when you, you sort of had a varied selection of, of guest commentators, it wasn't the sort of uh, it wasn't a pool that they selected from like they do now. They would have somebody that you just wouldn't expect, someone that was happened to be there, and they just uh, they just plucked them out of the. Cause remember the uh, eighty nine, the Michael Thomas game. Yes. Bobby Robson was in the studio, and apparently he wasn't supposed to be. He was just there as a, as the England manager in his England blazer, and they. They just said we got we haven't got a guest. Can you just come and sit in the studio and watch it with us as a as a pundit? And he said, yeah, okay. So it was just random, <laughs> random, random things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I now mean, we, you yeah. Think, whereas, you would, but being fair, you probably wouldn't do that in football now, but you would have done that then because I I work in telly and I have well been known to run out in the street. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who it was that was supposed to be. The, the, I don't know whether it was Dennis Law or somebody. They were supposed to be somebody in the studio without Wellsby, and they couldn't make it, and they were panicking like hell. And uh, Bobby Robson was there, obviously, as a, in his capacity as England manager, and they just said, "Look, Bobby, can you please go?" And he, I think to begin with, he said, "No, I, I want to watch this game. It's, it's such a huge game." And they said, "Look, you know, we're really we're begging you here." And uh, he said, "Oh, okay then." And he, and he went. The thing and, is, that, that 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 says a lot about uh, him. Is the fact oh, that he absolutely, would have to yes. do that. For you because now you would have to go and battle through managers and you know his manager go and ask him yeah. to do this favor and then you'd have got to go and find whoever you wanted to get to come on yeah and, and in fairness you have to produce a check for twenty five thousand yeah. pounds and in, in fairness it, even though he probably wouldn't have done it like you say now there would have been a whole ring of people that would have probably said no you can't do this you can't yeah, do this whereas then yeah. Yeah, what you can't yeah. say what you can say I'm a big fan of Ian Dark as well we mentioned Ian Dark earlier yeah. he doesn't get enough work he was I mean back in the 90s he was the voice of Monday Night Football he he got that was his gig at the time so that always reminds me of that and I think he's he's very underrated as a commentator Ian I Dark. like yeah I like Ian Dark a lot he still does a bit of ESPN he was sorry he does the box. Oh, he still does. Yeah, he, yeah, does he does a bit of ESPN and BT Sport. I think he does bits and bobs. Yeah, he does BT. But I thought he was fantastic. He was right at the beginning of that Sky era, like you say, the mm. Monday night games and crackers. I remember United playing Villa on a Monday night, and he was doing the commentary. And he just, he just had that real. 
real old school broadcasting voice, didn't he? Yeah, doesn't it? very distinctive. I, I remember, I can yeah. still hear Andy, like the first ever Monday Night Football when Andy Sinton scored that great goal. I can still hear the commentary um, from, from Ian Dark in my head. Um, well, I think that wraps up this week in the 90s. As I said, it's not the not the busiest week this week, but um, we, I think... But we, we've still talked for 55 minutes. Yeah, we've still gone off on enough tangents <laughs> to cover your 90s goodness. Um, while, I, I while I remember, we did do a full show as well last week. You've got two shows. If you haven't downloaded that already, listen to me and Liam talk, me and Hap talk about Renford Rejects. It's not the whole show, so if, you, if you're thinking, oh, Renford Rejects wasn't my bag, we do, ch- we do chat about 90s Cholton games, we talk about stickers, we talk about computer games, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun too, so download that. But um, we'll be back next week for This Week is in the 90s, and as I said, we'll be talking Mark Overmars and that famous goal at Old Trafford, which I'm sure Matthew, as I said, would be pleased about. Um, but until that point, Matthew, where can... Hold on, hold on. Right, go I, need on. To do I need to say hello to somebody. Oh, hello, shout outs, go on. I know, yeah, this has never happened, but I, I got a tweet from a friend of mine this week who said, will you give us a shout on AK90s? And I said, all right, Justin Lynch, I will do that. So there you go, I've done it now. Hello to Justin Lynch. Thank you very much for, for listening to us. Um, where else can people tweet you? I'll go to you first then, Joel. Oh, sorry, yeah, I've just jumped in. Uh, Joel Baby Herc, as usual, uh, Twitter and um Instagram. Brilliant. Any... And yeah, and, and Matthew Chris as well keeps mocking me about my love of Top of the Week. <laughs> well, what's happening this Where we, we, You weren't happy last week. You'd be in a better place with Top of the Week. So it, always... it hasn't been good for ages, oh, to okay. be honest. But 1985 wasn't a good time for pop music. You know, I, I disagree. Know. I disagree. I think 1985 was the greatest year in the 80s for pop oh, music. Oh, shut up. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> right, 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 okay, right. We're going to do, do, do it. We're going to, we should do a Top of the Pops podcast. Yeah. Or, you when know. you get to the 90s and the proper logo of the, the purpley logo, let me join in. You're a bit too early well 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 we should do something about this but honestly it annoys me at the minute because the music is so bad i think i've seen one good song at the minute in the last three months or something you know i've been dead annoyed what was the oh, I've, no, I've noticed what was the england song yeah, for the, uh, yeah. the 1986 world cup did england have a song for the 1986 world cup yeah, yeah they had, that, it, we've Got the whole world at our feet. Oh, was t- oh that's yeah, it. I can yeah. remember them on top of the pops. The one, yeah, the one at the Euro '88 was the stock egg and Wartman thing. All the yeah, that was that was a good record. I actually quite liked. That, that. wasn't a good record. Ah, oh, which. Nah. I then, actually downloaded that a while. And then World in Motion was, came along and changed the world. That's World in Motion to is a good record. Oh, it's a fantastic, greatest football song of all time. Matthew, where can people find you on the Twitter? Uh, Matthew J. I just died to get away. Though. I'm not. I'm just getting it off. 1980s pop, top of the pops. This is just. If you want to find me on Twitter, just look on uh, Joel's tweets, and I'll be in, in the reply, reply section underneath. <laughs> Disagreeing with him about 1985 being the greatest year for pop music. 90s football and 80s top of the pops. You've got it all wrapped up in these in these three people right here. Thank you very much, gents. That's been this week in the 90s. I've been Ash Rose. You won't be finding me tweeting anything about top of the pops in the 80s, but if you want to follow me at Ash Rose UK or follow the show at AK90s on Twitter and on Facebook. But until next week, keep it 90s. Love.